This is Intersections, a reporting project from WFYI Public Media. I'm Ryan Delaney. It's been a year since the police department and public safety officials in Indianapolis began their analytical and holistic approach to reducing violent crime in the city by targeting six specific neighborhoods, focus areas, where crime, blight, and poverty seem to be concentrated. As part of our effort to track that work and explore the root causes of violent crime, we've looked at the issues of hunger and how police interact with mentally ill residents. And we met some of the people working hard to make their neighborhoods safer. But for this episode, I want to take a brief pause and look back. We have two conversations, including one making the case for all of this crime reduction work to be done entirely outside of the public safety realm. But first, we talk with Troy Riggs, who you met in the first episode. He was the public safety director who dreamt up and launched the Focus Area Initiative. But he left city government in June, only to return in the new year as Mayor Joe Hogsett's chief of police. Over the first year of the Focus Area program, the violent crime rate didn't go down. In fact, homicides and non-fatal shootings went up, way up in some of the neighborhoods. But Riggs isn't discouraged, and that's where we pick up. Looking at the poverty rates, looking at 23% unemployment in some of these areas, depression-like numbers, you're not going to be able to change uh, decades of momentum in the opposite direction overnight. We have a lot of challenges ahead of us. The good news, though, is that because of the focus, we've had more and more individuals rally around individuals in these communities, helping citizens, helping them rebuild their lives, everything from reentry to young people. I think we'll see that grow. What did work last year? Citizens have shown up with gleaners and volunteered. They fed 65,000 people over the summer. That is incredible. We're finding out as we talk to individuals, the mental health issues, the dependency issues. How do we begin as a city to deal with these mental health issues in these areas and the dependency issues when people are so hungry? We have to start with hunger. We started with some things we thought were some clear wins early on as we're doing the the partnership with Gleaners is making sure that we have other people there for wraparound services to really talk to people as they're coming through the line, see what needs they have, and get them and their families help. You're making these neighborhoods bigger from the six neighborhoods totaling eight square miles to 13 square miles. Isn't it pretty easy to look at that and say, geez, crime must be spreading if we have to make these focus areas bigger? There's always been homicides and murders in some of these areas. What we looked at is just by expanding them a few more miles, we're looking at about 45% of our homicides last year. Uh, but really, the, the ideal is is that we started in these small areas where most of this, the crime occurred, but after that, we'll continue to expand into more of a beat scenario instead of zones. But we have to have beats in the areas where our citizens need the most help. So obviously, you were public safety director for about three years when this program launched. You were out of city government for about six months, and now you're back as police chief, a different role. You know, What things do you have more influence to change in how these focus areas are addressed? Uh, as police chief, I'm more involved in the day-to-day operations, so people will see a police department that's much more nimble, that's responding to issues quickly. You're also going to see more officers in some of the the toughest areas of our community. And these officers are there to provide hope, assistance, and be part of the community, not policing coming in as high tactics. These are individuals be out of their car, walking with people, talking to people, going to community meetings, getting to know what's going on. And if someone's causing problems, yes, make an arrest and many calls for help and assistance because the police department can't do it by itself. You talk about a lot of things that I don't think are traditional things that 
police officers talk about in terms of wraparound services and, and feeding people and everything. But I've also heard from people that question whether or not a police department is the right people to be addressing some of these problems, um, well, such as you know mental health. Right. Right. Well, I I don't think the police department's the right department to be addressing all the mental health issues. But what we can do is we can talk about the 30 percent, the 40 percent of the people we arrest that have a mental health issue. And we can ask for assistance in reducing that number. We can be the catalyst for change. We have a big microphone, so to speak. We can bring things to the attention and ask for help. And that's what we're asking for. If you want a police chief that's concerned about long term crime prevention, and I think this city is then this is the methodology that we have to use moving forward. I'm curious how this strategy has been met with you know, your officers, your department. Uh, there's, there's fewer complaints than people would think. Now, does it make some of our officers uncomfortable? Yes, because they haven't had to do this before. Uh, police departments evolve over time. The police department today is much different than the one that I joined nearly 30 years ago. Uh, and that's okay. That's a good thing. We need to evolve with time. We need to be held accountable. We've touched on some things that were good last year um, that happened, you know, the feeding of 65,000 or so residents and also some of the struggles that were clear that, you know, homicide is a tricky thing to cut down on. How will you measure success over the next 12 months? Well, I, I hope to say that we're engaged in the community level we haven't done before, that we've started the transition to beats in some of our toughest areas, that we're being more community-minded. If we want to use data I need everyone in the city of Indianapolis reporting every crime that occurs. So if we have some of the nonviolent crime go up as a result, we need to understand that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means people are now participating. If all that's increasing, then we're on the, we're on the path in the right direction. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on it. I appreciate you coming in and, and chatting about it, Chief. Um, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. Now the argument for an idea that isn't entirely new, but was first brought to me by someone who grew up in Indianapolis and is now an outspoken artist and community organizer. My name is Matt Davis. I'm a local artist and educator uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Grew up on the east side of Indianapolis. And I've seen a lot in my upbringing, in my experience, in the neighborhoods I kind of I grew up in, and the type of realities um, that people deal with in those, in those neighborhoods. Our approach to crime, it, it, it generates it as opposed to prevents it. It's not a really holistic approach to crime prevention. So a good way to do it, as opposed to throwing money at it, would be to create a whole department that's proactive that just moves in a, in a completely proactive way and also kind of serves as like a checks and balances for justice because the, the kind of like the prerequisite to peace is justice. So <laughs> it'd be nice to have a peace department. How would it work? How, how would this look? This is not an idea original to you, so other no. people have talked about this too, but how is this kind of mapped out? The Department of Public Safety has almost, uh, I think it's 90% of the city budget. 85 to 90, yeah, about that. Right. And so just just to think about it, just imagine it. If you took 25% of that and then you put that towards something that was more proactive. And so it'd be nice <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, I know Indiana's all about nice, so it'd be nice. I'm from here. I know. I know Hoosier. It'd be nice if we could 
just hypothetically take 25% of the budget and make it a little more proactive and invest in peace and diplomacy. Let me push back just a little bit yeah. because I think that's kind of where I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think that could be a very tough argument to make to a lot of people to try to convince them to take away money from police and fire, you know, the traditional public safety people. So how do you sell someone that this is a worthy investment? Because the argument can be made that you want to underfund our police officers, you know, take resources away from those men and women who hit the streets every day to keep us safe to the best of their abilities. So how do you make the argument that we should take a sizable amount of money away from them and try something entirely different? I think the way to convince people is, for one, just looking at how much we spend. So I think that that's kind of first and foremost. And then also helping people understand that it's an industry that's really has nothing to do with people's safety, well-being, or the security of our city. All right, so let's uh, play hypothetical. We'll add a, a 26th floor to a city county building and give it to the Department of Peace. Okay. You know, how would this department look? So for me, I, I think it would break down into two main functions. One part would be about real crime prevention, so community crime prevention, a true community crime prevention. So there would be one aspect that would humanize people. And I guess kind of comparing it to some other legislation that I've seen on a Department of Peace, that would be the Office of Domestic Peace Activities. And so that would involve interacting with the Justice Department, Police Department, and then also, again, community activities and education programs that are proactive, talking about peace, talking about violence, and you know how ways to uh, resolve conflict and things like that. The other aspect would be the economic part, and that's probably the main point that got us to even talking about some idea for peace because we were talking about the root of crime, and I was talking about how economics and uh, joblessness and scarcity leads to the high rates of crime that we see, especially in poor neighborhoods in urban cities. So I think the other part would mainly be about economic development and community development that was relevant to the people who needed the most. And the people who needed the most are the people who have been divested. And so really taking a hard look at those, those mistakes that we've made along the way in terms of how do we really prevent crime in a serious way is by helping people have the foundation that they need to not have to worry about living a life of crime. Then when young, young people who are trying to stay in school and say no and all these other things that we put onto young people as opposed to giving them the actual resources to support themselves, then they're ready to go to an after-school program and learn about character and leadership development and things like that. Then they're ready to make straight A's or what have you because their their bases are covered. And so comparing to some other ways that people have put it, I guess that office would be called the Office of Human Rights and Economic Rights. What kind of things, though, can we start to do now if the idea of creating an entire Department of Peace, at least in the near term, you know, is far off? Honestly, I think it's already happening. And, and that's why I'm even able to speak to it at all.
I mean, I'm the only reason I'm able to speak to something broader is because I feel like people in the city of Indianapolis really do see how we can do things differently in reference to crime and criminal justice and, and trying to create communities that are truly about justice as opposed to punishment. Those are the ways to be more pragmatic about it. Matt Davis, a community organizer, educator, and uh, artist, I appreciate you stopping by and having the conversation. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been kind of fun, you know, kind of making it up or just imagining it and kind of researching it. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk through it. Intersections is produced by WFYI Public Media in Indianapolis. You can find all of our previous reporting at wfyi.org intersections and subscribe to this podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. More soon. I'm Ryan Delaney. Thanks for listening. Oh, man. I've been in here for a minute, man. I gotta get out of here.